As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through, with the you ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright lights, it's prime time when we play as Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast, I'm Manny Navarro, your Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. Today we got a special show. Uh, we're going to bring on a guest that I'm sure most of you are familiar with if you watch ESPN's College Game Day or you love gambling or you love stats like I do. Uh, you've heard of Chris Felica, uh, the bear. We're going to bring him on in a few minutes here. But first off, it's Miami Clemson week. Canes are going on the road facing the number one ranked Tigers, 14 and a half point underdog. Most people are expecting Trevor Lawrence, Travis, Travis Etienne and company to have a good day against Miami, even with the Canes being ranked number 7 and 3-0 and right now. Um, Mike Zimmerman, my producer, I got to ask you first off, what's your feeling going into this game? We got to make predictions. Let's make them right now. Who are you taking? Um, all right, so before I, I give the official pick, I, I think that regardless of the outcome, and, and we kind of touched on this with Chris, which you know all you guys will hear in, in just a second, Regardless of the outcome, I, I think Miami can't let this game dictate the rest of the season, whether they win or lose. Um, now, with that being said, I don't think Miami is quite at that level yet. Um, I think this is a good measuring stiff stick. If they can stay competitive going into the fourth quarter and, and make it a real competitive game, showing that there has been improvement, um, what we've seen the first three games isn't necessarily a fluke uh i would be satisfied and happy and have some positive thoughts and really believe that manny diaz has this thing going in the right direction but with that being said i don't think they have enough i'll go clemson 31 miami 21 all right that's a good score i have clemson winning 38 to 21 uh, I know our boy Kelvin Harris is going to disagree with both of us. And it says Miami, he's called me several times uh, since our last podcast last week to tell me he thinks Miami can blow out Clemson. So if they do, he may be the only person in America uh, who, who thinks that because I don't know how many other analysts have come out and said that exactly. But he wants everybody to know he thinks Miami can blow out uh, the Tigers. 
Um, I, on the other hand, think it's going to be a close game, and I think ultimately defense is where Miami's going to have some struggles here, especially the linebacker position um, and some other uh, spots. Uh, punt returner remains an issue. Uh, we mentioned that on the show last week. Mark Pope has fumbled twice, and today Manny Diaz, the head football coach of the Hurricanes, said that uh, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a position battle the rest of this week. He said they still have faith in Mark Pope, but I think it's a position where you could see a freshman like Xavier Restrepo uh, come in if he shows them this week that he can handle punts. Ultimately, you can't have any mistakes against this Clemson team because odds are you give them great field position, they're going to find the end zone. That's what Trevor Lawrence does. Um, other notes from uh, from today's press conferences as we record this Tuesday afternoon around 4.15. Uh, it seems like the entire roster is going to be healthy. We haven't been told of any COVID issues or any players held out because of injuries. I know guys have been dealing with bumps and bruises. Uh, but the good news is it seems like Miami's going into this game healthy. Uh, other than safety, Gervin Hall, who has been a starter in the past, uh, you know, he's going to miss the first half of that game, obviously with the targeting uh, penalty that he got at the end of the Florida State game. Um, but other than that, I think all of the key rotation players should be available. Again, there will be more COVID testing as the week progresses. Miami's testing three times a week. Uh, and, and so as they get closer to game time, uh, you cross your fingers and hopes that they get past that and that you don't end up happening, you know, with what's happening in other spots here in college football where you have a couple players who test positive or, uh, you know, through contract contact tracing end up having to be pulled. Uh, so if Miami's at full strength and you've got Derek King out there, I think they're good enough certainly to give Clemson a game. I just still think the Tigers are better. Well, that's enough of my thoughts. That's enough of Mike Zimmerman's thoughts. We're going to bring on our special guest here, Chris uh, Felica, the Bear on college game day chris how you doing what's going on how are you happy happy to uh, be on with you and talk talk some canes yeah man i appreciate you coming on and and, and talking to us um so first of all i, I want to get into you being a student at miami and and how uh that experience was like i know you're a long island guy grew up a jets fan and a, and a penn state football fan according to what i'm reading here on wikipedia which you know is always the most accurate source <laughs> but uh i'm wondering how it was that you came to be a miami hurricane and and uh you know what that experience was like well i mean i always knew i mean i was the the kid growing up keeping score of a uh, a, a July Yankees Angels game as an eight year old who would just sit in front of the TV with the box score and, and keeping stats. I, mean, I always knew I wanted a career in sports and, and I knew I wasn't going to be a Division One athlete. So I, I, in high school, I was just looking for uh, the, the best opportunity to, to be involved uh, in an athletic program in a big city uh, with sports teams around that I could really. Uh, make some connections and, and get a lot of experience. And that's ultimately uh, what brought me to Miami. I was actually very fortunate uh, because I knew prior to even my, my, my senior year uh, that I was going to work. I got early admissions and I, I knew I was going to be uh, working in the sports information department. It's actually a funny story. I sent down a, like a, so some audio tapes of, of me and some videotapes of a high school TV show that I did and a whole bunch of statistical work that I did. And I had sent it to uh, Rich Dalrymple at the time, who was the SID there and uh, Kenny Lee and Tom Piero and John Hahn. And they, they were all uh, in the sports information department at that time. And I, I, I guess as the story comes, I come down the road like uh, later, later when I get there after they get to know me and really uh, befriend me and appreciate everything I do. They tell me the story about when they, when my, when my package arrived and how they saw it and we're like, Oh yeah, we can't wait for this guy. He's one of us. We can't we can't wait to get our our, our hands on him. So they, they had a good laugh 
uh, all the information that I had, had sent them and hoping to get a, uh, uh, a job in the SID when I was a student there. But it was great. I was at, I worked in the, the athletic department there for, for my tenure there and met a bunch of people and uh, made, made some friends for life and had some great experiences. And I certainly wouldn't be where I am today uh, w- without that place. So, um, you know, I, I didn't go to the University of Miami. I went to Florida International University, but I very much like you, I grew up loving sports and, and wanting to get into the field somehow. And so I, we, I know I have a lot of guys who listen and, and constantly ask me, hey, how did you get into sports writing, all that kind of stuff? And how did you know? And, and for you, your career has really taken off where you're, you've been a part of something so special. I guess what advice would you give guys like us that wanted to get into the business and somehow were lucky enough to do it? I, I would say connections, networking, opportunities, just get yourself out there, especially in today. I mean, when we were breaking into the industry, there weren't podcasts left and right. There weren't online publications for people uh, to notice you. We really had to just almost in a sense kind of, kind of luck out a little bit and just have everything line up. But I would just say get yourself out there, uh, write podcast, connect with people, be seen. Uh, and that's really how, how, how your breaks are made. I mean, that's how my break was made. And I just wound up randomly doing uh, statistics one night for a Knicks Heat game. And it wound up, uh, I asked Mike Breen, who was the play-by-play guy for the, uh, for the Knicks at the time, hey, uh, and he was still at WFAN working on the IMA show in the morning. Hey, when you, when you, I'm coming back for the summer and he shot on an internship and he's like, absolutely get back in touch with me when, when I uh, get back from the road, we'll totally take care of you. And they did. My boss from WFAN wound up moving up to ESPN Radio, found out I was looking for a job after graduation, but brought me up for an interview, and and the rest is history. So it's really just ma- making connections, meeting people, staying in touch. And uh, it sounds like a, a lot of guys coach speak, I would say, but but it really is true. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a lot of work, and, and people don't realize, like, you know, you don't, you don't just go right to the microphone and, and get an opportunity. You have to work towards that. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind the scenes and and so uh when did you first kind of get your first big break as far as hey I, do you remember that first time that they put you on tv what that experience was like yeah it was it was uh the the year game day expanded to to three hours which i think was 2013 okay. if i remember correctly uh kirk curb street and and, and lee fitting and, and chris fowler had been kind of like trying to push me for a while to kind of do some things on air because uh, they, they, they knew my knowledge and they knew that I had a, a, a background with, with some betting stuff. So I could interject some historical notes and some, some subtle gambling advice at the time. And uh, I was always hesitant because I didn't want to see as that loud New Yorker flying those hands <laughs> all over the place and it just kind of be a, a punchline. And they were like, and finally, finally, when we got to three hours, they were like, you've got no choice. We're doing it. We're going to figure out a way to do it. And we're not going to put you in a bad spot. You've got too much to offer. And uh, at that time, they would just kind of come to me every now and then for just a, a little verbal pop or a verbal little mention, a, a note or a trend or uh, a line or something along those lines. And then uh, I guess in maybe 2015, I think was the first time that they probably, um, it might have been 14, it could, but definitely 15 is when we started doing the uh, the board with the magnets and, and picking three games a week. So it's really been uh, kind of unbelievable how it's just kind of blown up into not only just the, uh, the the show, the podcast, the column, now with Daily Wager and SportsCenter. It's crazy just to kind of, kind of be noticed in places by people that you normally wouldn't. So uh, mm-hmm. it really is kind of just kind of a, 
like pinch me type moments. Like if you would have told like 16 year old Chris Felica that 30 years from now, you're going to be like working the final four with Dick Vitale and going to the masters and, and working that and sitting on the college game day set with those guys. It really would have been like, yeah, well, okay. Yeah, sure. You're, you're kidding. Right. <laughs> well, it's been a dream come true and I've enjoyed watching you. I'm a stats guy myself. I love to dig into the numbers and, and do all that kind of research and so much of my podcast is is built on that and a lot of what i write about uh here for the athletic i mean it's it's diving into the numbers analysis that kind of stuff and, and you've and you've always been so insightful i feel like uh you're ahead of your time because i know analysis you know it's kind of become a much bigger deal in sports than maybe it was mm-hmm. even five ten years ago and you were you were one of the first guys who was on tv talking about these numbers in such a way that that i think uh that people have really come to appreciate what you bring to the show every single week it's um, interesting it's interesting because uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because i can remember uh myself and brad edwards who works espn as well and hosts espn college game day radio show and, and you see him on sports center with all of his number scrunches like we lived together for quite some time and, and we came up at the same uh, time at espn as, as researchers and i can remember he and i like either by hand or by media guy like there there were times where we would have media guides spread out throughout through our home just kind of like looking for like basically largest top losses by a top 10 team uh, off Mm -hmm. of like that 66-3 Texas UCLA game and could a team come back like we would spend like hours at time at a time at home doing that like manually by hand and and coming up with notes like that and now with all these databases and computer programs and everything so readily accessible it's a heck of a lot easier now to uh to find some things than than it was say uh 20-25 years ago. I was going to ask you, just on a typical day, how much time do you spend breaking down numbers, crunching them? I mean, is this like a morning to night type of deal for you besides what you do with the podcast and, and the college game day? Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, I, I'm usually uh, work. I work from home on, on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday before traveling to uh, the game day side on Thursday. And, and it really is. I mean, I'll spend uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, on the computer, and it's not. It's obviously now not only the statistical stuff in terms of uh, the, the game matchup um, and, and like statistical metrics like that, but all of the the historical odds and, and gambling type information as well that I got to get ready for uh, with the column and the pod and daily wage as well. So it's really kind of like uh, twice the. Uh, I try to incorporate it into one to try and make it one easier type. Uh, session, but uh, I usually I usually do wind up taking a couple of days to, uh, to to figure everything out. Is there one thing that you look for that you think uh, I don't know historically has proven you know certain stats and certain sports that uh, stand out more than others to you that that are more proof of whether or not a team is good or bad? Um, I, I I think the certain they, turnovers are always cyclical, and, and people like to point to 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 turnovers, but I think that is something cer- certainly that. That, that has come out there. I, I think uh, how you fare on the road is, is a massive thing. It sounds simple mm-hmm. and it, it, it sounds, it sounds like over, but like winning on the road is hard. Uh, if, if you can, if you can win on the road, obviously that's a big deal. And then the other thing is just success in, in close games. I just decided an example from last week. I mean, we, we've saw, we've seen Iowa state really struggle in close games the last few years under Matt Campbell, like last year, they were three wins away from potentially being uh, a 10 win team, but their, their record in close games was terrible. And then you see them last week, finally break through, win that close game. And, and now they potentially could be 
uh, holding the, uh, the 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 Big Twelve championship appearance on their uh, on their record. So, so I, I think def- defense, uh, being able to win on the road, and, and finding a way to win some of these close games are, are three things that 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 have stood out to me in terms of just kind of simple things. I mean, I, I'm sure there there are a lot more. Uh, analytical things in terms of like touchdown percentage and red zone touchdown percentage and, and things like that. But those are, those are three things that I think everyday fans can kind of uh, wrap right. their fingers around and understand. And that's really, the, that's the tough part of this because some of this analytical stuff, people will just, you throw too many numbers at them and they're just like confused. They give you that confused look and why are you, you know, speak to me in English type of thing. And, and yet, it's so important because it really this is a science that you study. I mean, this is something that, like you said, can help you really get a grip on whether or not somebody's good or bad. And and I think uh, that's the tough part is communicating it in a way where people really understand where you're coming from. And you're not just throwing a bunch of numbers and stats at them. And it's interesting because like people always like to make fun of that that game control metric that uh, our our stats information group. Uh, put together a few years back and just kind of laughed it and mocked it. But that really is a very good metric. And, and, all, and people, well, what does it mean? I just tell people it's basically how how you have controlled and dominated the game. It just goes to show you like how like you can say, for example, there was a Florida State-NC State game, I think it was, or a Florida State-Maryland game in 2013. Um my in 2014, the year, the the year they wound up winning the title, and I, and I think it was probably NC State because I think at that time they were still in the the ACC. But but they got up like 35 nothing at the end of the first quarter, and their win probability was was basically maxed. It was 99.9 percent, and then they just kind of cruised out from there. And the final score, I think, maybe was 42-14 or something like that. But at the same time, they could have a game that might end. 35-7 or 35-10 that the, the people, oh, they, they won by board, allowed fewer points, but maybe the game was 14-10 going to, going to the fourth quarter and you scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to make the score final score look a heck of a lot more dominant than it really was. So, but I think once people understand some of these numbers and really what they mean and can grasp the definition of it, they're really, really valuable tools. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree completely. But that's the challenge that we have, right? As journalists, that's what we got to do. We got to take the information and get people to to see what it is and, and find it find it interesting and not just say, hey, uh, that's too much for me, which sometimes people just do that anyway. But Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Listen, I, I've really enjoyed uh, everything you've done on ESPN, and I just got to tell you, I'm a fan. Uh, this week, of course, you get uh, Miami Clemson, uh, which 
being a, a former hurricane, seeing this program struggle the way it has uh, over the past two decades and, and kind of get to that point a few years ago where they were 10 and 0 and number two in the country and everybody's, oh, they're back, they're back, they're back. <laughs> you know, it's 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 frustrating, right? They, you're just like, hey, they're not back. We know they're not back yet. There's still <laughs> ways to go. Um, when you look at this Miami team, though, you've had a chance not to see them, uh, I guess, uh, at Louisville and and uh, and then at Florida State when, when game day was there for both of the, those games. What is your impression of this group with with what Manny Diaz has and Derek King and Rhett Lashley? Um, I, my opinion, personally, I feel like this is a legitimate top 10 team in terms of what they bring offensively. But you look at all the pieces and you say, OK, there's a transfer here at right tackle. There's a transfer kicker. There's a transfer quarterback. And I, and I tend to say Miami won't be back until they're recruiting on that elite level. But right now, this team, what do you what do you think of this group for this year? Well, I, I think you're right, right about that in the sense that. The, the depth right now is the biggest thing that Miami is having to struggle with. And, and that's why you've seen Manny bring in so many transfers over the last uh, couple of years, because th- they need players to be able to play and compete right now to sell that vision of the future as to what Miami can, can once again, hopefully be. Uh, and, I, and I think that's really worked for them this year. Uh, it, it, it's it's amazing that, my, that Miami fan, yeah, sure, uh, Derek King is there, and we have a quarterback who uh, can, can make the offense go. But Miami fans are like excited, more excited about maybe uh, having Jose Bargales, the kicker. We finally have a kicker <laughs> who can make who can make the field goal, and we have a quarterback, and we have an offensive coordinator who's who, who's calling up tempo plays and an offense capable of scoring. But 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 I think all of that together. I mean, if you look at Miami's record in the last couple of years, like I don't want to say they wasted national championship caliber type defenses, but they've had some really, really elite defenses in terms of uh, defensive efficiency and, and things like that over the last couple of years. But they just haven't had an offense that could could go out and, and do anything about it. Like, like they they were they were scoring. 17 points a game or, or allowing 17 points a game and losing. Now right. you've got an offense that's capable of doing things. Like they had the stretch against Louisville and Florida State where they had scored on 11 straight possessions. I mean, that, that was incredible. I mean, put, putting up 40 points and 450 yards in consecutive games. Like I said, I, I know it's UAB and it's a bad Florida State team and it's a bad Louisville defense, but what they've done is really impressive. And on the other side of the ball, I think defensively, it's really interesting that their defensive line has been able to get as much disruption as it has uh, without Gregory Rousseau. Like uh-huh. I, I think when he opted out, I think there were a lot of people, oh, no, here we go again, we'll lose the best defensive lineman. But the way Phillips has emerged, uh, I guess Jade Silvera is finally playing uh, to, to what his headlines out of, out of high school were, or being a number one recruit. Uh, and on the other side, uh, Quincy Roche coming in, another transfer to give them a, a immediate help. Uh, they are getting pressure on the quarterback. And, and I, I don't want to say they're going to go to Clemson and, and win this week. It's certainly the team that everybody is shooting to be nationally right now. Uh, but, but they're going up there. I, I think, I think there are, there's a feeling nationally just like maybe this is not like a year where Clemson is going to rip through the ACC uh, and maybe win the ACC championship game by like 35 points like they have in recent years because of what Miami has shown now uh, with the quarterback and an ability to move the ball because of a team like North Carolina who nearly beat them last year. 
mm-hmm. and has so many people back because of a team like Virginia Tech, uh, who, who is getting off to a great side. Like they, there are there are because team like Notre Dame who is getting all their weapons back a wide receiver and has has a good defense. I, I think people gener- genuinely view potentially four teams that could reach the SEC title game that could potentially give Clemson uh, a run for its money for the first time in a bunch of years. Yeah, it's certainly refreshing because we, we've seen what's happened to the Coastal where you, where you have that uh, you know sort of rotating team here the last seven, eight years mm-hmm. of who's going to win the division. When Virginia Tech came in and was, was pretty much dominating it for a while – it's become this, okay, who's going to emerge and get killed by Clemson, right? I mean, that's been the story. And exactly. I think this year, yeah, I think this year you finally feel like, okay, Miami's got an offense. They've got Derek King. Maybe they push Clemson. Maybe they finally, you know, pull pull off an upset here. Uh, maybe it's uh, Notre Dame, as you said, or, or Virginia Tech even with what they've done early on. I think it's, it's certainly good for the ACC and certainly good for college football when you finally have some challengers sort of emerge. But for, with, with this Miami team um, – one of my concerns is linebacker, I, and and they kind of you know they kind of had Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney there for a while as, as four year starters, and I look at that and I, and I look at some of the breakdowns that they've had kind of uh, with the run defense at times um, with some of these other guys. When you look at Travis Etienne and what Trevor Lawrence can do when they get out of the you know when when Trevor decides to tuck it and run. I, I see some issues for Miami co- going into this game, especially with with the way you know Bradley Jennings is their starting middle linebacker. He's coming back from injuries, trying to recover from that. Uh, he's only had one tackle in each of his last two games, and he's been out of some. He's been in the wrong place a few times. The way Clemson runs the football is that ultimately you think the biggest challenge, or is it just if they've got the complete offense and Miami's going to have its hands full? I, I think Miami's going to have its hands full, but but at the same time, I'm really curious to see how Miami. Uh, and matches up with Clemson because this is, a, I think, a much different Clemson offense uh, than the last time these teams met in, in that ACC championship game where, where Hunter Renfro, we, 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 he, he has been such a valuable part of the Clemson offense. And even last year, as great as that offense was, it, it felt to me like, like they were missing him in that slot position. Mm-hmm. Now their offense seems to be a lot of let your – your five-star wide receivers run downfield, let Trevor, Trevor Lawrence throw it down, and, and just as long, as long as he can, it's big play, big play, big play, big play. Whereas they were really content on working your way down the field, finding a, a, a nice bubble, a, a, a nice spot for, for Renfro to sit and get that 12-yard gain or third and six, run a seven-yard pattern, get the first down. Like, like, I think they were missing him a lot of times last year. And I'm also curious how the weather is going to impact this game on Saturday night. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I, I think it's going to rain. And, 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 like, who does rain favor? You, usually you talk about rain being a great equalizer and that the, the less talented team, it might help them. Like, like, does that help Miami? Because maybe some of the Clemson passing game could be disrupted by that. Or, or does that help Clemson because they are – uh, just in fact, the more talented team, and, and it might help Travis Etienne. Uh, he knows where he's going. The Miami defense right. doesn't. So, so I mean, <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious to see that if it is bad weather, like I think, because uh, potentially in the forecast for right now, what does that do uh, to to the game? Because I also about just talking about Miami in general, like having those three backs to be able to rotate in and out is a huge deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just keeps three fresh running backs who 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 are 
who are, are fresh and, and quick in there at all times. And, 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 and that's a game changer as well. That's one position I think where Miami does have some depth and, and, and also helps keep uh, Clemson a little bit off the field. Maybe you play a little bit of complimentary football this year to not allow Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne to have the ball uh, for, for as long of a period of time as, as you might with as many plays as the Hurricanes have run in the first few games. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously Miami's whole MO this year has been line up, get to the line of scrimmage quickly, and, and snap the ball quickly. Um, against Louisville, they just hit the big play, which is why they didn't run so many plays. But I, I thought this last game against Florida State, I think they had a 14-play scoring drive, an 18-play scoring drive, where, as Manny Diaz likes to describe it, it it's sort of like a boxing approach. We're going to hit you with a bunch of jabs and, and low body blows, and then we're going to give you the uppercut at the end. I don't know that they could do that against Clemson. Um, they may, they may just have to get the points any way they can get them to kind of keep up with Trevor Lawrence. But but it is an interesting approach, and the range certainly is going to be an interesting factor. I think this Miami offensive line is a lot better, but yet there's been moments this year where okay, the running game isn't really exploding. I mean, you've had some big explosive plays, but there's times where you're getting one, two, three yards a carry, and you're just like, okay, well, where's the hole on that play? So I'm interested to see how how Clemson handles them I, I know virginia tech had some success uh, not virginia tech but virginia rather had some success against them this past week and, and it was a decent game um i know you're going to make your picks uh, on saturday um but i guess long term what do you think of this miami team regardless of what happens against clemson um do you think this is a team that can get to nine ten wins and, absolutely and yeah yeah what, what, what i guess what, 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 what encourages you about that Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off yeah, there, but, okay. but I think the I think the most important thing, regardless of what happens on Saturday night, is for Miami to not let this game ruin the rest of the rest of, ruin the rest of its season. Remember, like in that time when Miami was trying to get back, trying to get back, it looked like they might finally beat Florida State. They like they would blow the game against the Knolls and then mm -hmm. the rest of their season they would they would be done. They, I, I think there was a stretch where they like for a couple of years where they didn't win another game after they lost to Florida State. Like if they were to lose this game, like just route and say, Hey, we take care of business. Here's here's our example. We left X, Y, and Z on the field, or hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z better. Uh, we went to we went to the best team in the in the country, the the, the best program in the ACC right now and Here's here's how we did. Maybe maybe they lose maybe they lose by ten. Maybe they lose by seven. Maybe they get blown out. But whatever it is, uh, Manny Diaz and, and 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 Baker and Lashley can just sell sell their team on getting another opportunity against this team in the ACC championship game if they take care of business. I mean, you, you look at the rest of the schedule. I mean, they they should be favored in every single one of their games, with the, maybe the exception of that Virginia Tech game. Um, mm -hmm. but That's they'll be favored home against Pitt. They'll be favored against Virginia. Uh, they'll be favored at NC State. They'll be favored against Georgia Tech. They'll be favored at Wake. And, and then that North Carolina game could ultimately be a game that determines uh, who will go on to the, to the ACC title game. So just not letting the result Saturday one way or another, or if you do somehow pull the massive upset, don't automatically think that that's your your meal ticket. You're a national title contender now. You're, you're locked into the ACC championship game because there is a lot of uh, – a lot of football left, and we've seen this Miami program the last few years really struggle in, in situations where they were a big favorite. Now they did get past that uh, against UAB, and they did get past that uh, against Florida State. So maybe the fact that they have an offense now will 
overcome some of those past struggles, but just don't let what happens on Saturday night um, ruin, I guess I should say, uh, uh, <laughs> the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. I have Kelvin Harris who, who comes on the show with me. He's a former mm-hmm. Hurricane who won yep. three three national yep. titles. And he was Kelvin there when is, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> he always tells me he calls it the Uncle Larry syndrome because, you know, everybody has that uncle who goes to the bar and gets drunk off of a big <laughs> win and then can't find his way back home, right? He's just, he, he wants to make sure uh, that the Canes don't end up the same way with that Uncle Larry syndrome. Uh, and I think that's exactly what you described. Um Speaking of which, you, you you mentioned being there at the same time as Kelvin. Um, what I guess when were you at Miami as a student, and and what's kind of uh, did you go to games as a fan? Were you at the Orange Bowl all the time? I'm curious, is from that well, perspective. Yeah. I was I was usually working either working in the press box mm-hmm. as, as part of the SID staff, or I was keeping uh, official stats, or I was keeping uh, visiting radio or television stats for. Uh, uh, one of the one of the broadcast teams coming in. Uh, okay. I, I think in my time at Miami, I was in the stands as a fan for oh gosh, I want to say three games. Mm-hmm. I, I would say the the, the, the 1990 Florida State game, uh, which was my freshman year, uh, just because at the time I didn't know, I, like I, I had no idea I was going to be like working the press box like the day of the right. game. So one of my one of my lifelong childhood friends, we, he grew up a huge Hurricanes fan, and he had moved to. To, to Orlando, so he came down for that game, and I had gotten tickets, and I, like I, I kind of felt bad that I wasn't able to work, but I'm like, yeah, I promised Jason we would go to the game, so I did that, and then the um, the, the 1990 uh, Notre Dame game up in South Bend, where Rocket mm. Ismail ruined that afternoon, and then yeah. the, uh, the, the and then the 91 wide right. I, I, I think after that, I, I don't think I went to another uh, Miami game in, in a non in a non work or WVUM type capacity. Well, I got to ask because you said it said again on Wikipedia, so I can ask you whether or not this is true. But it said you grew up a Penn State fan. I can believe it well, from where you're from, right? I mean, you, you I, that yeah, was a rivalry. Penn, for Penn a long State, time. Penn State was like my first real like awareness of, of big time college football. I have a, a lot of family in, uh, in in Eastern Pennsylvania, and they were all Penn State fans. So like that was my mm-hmm. like, like basically indoctrination to like big time college football. So I mean, I would always pay attention to Penn state and how they were doing I'd always watch them. I'd root for them. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, cause I mean, growing up on Long Island, it was either basically Penn state or you're watching the Notre Dame replay on Sunday and Syracuse really wasn't a factor uh, when, when I was growing up BC, of course, that's, but no, honestly, no one really cared about BC football. And, and I mean, they had Flutie and he won the Heisman. He was great, but, but, right, the, it, but- it wasn't like a, a, a huge deal. So like, like Penn State was like the biggest deal in terms of college football and being a college, be, being a football junkie and knowing that I had people who lived and lived and breathed and uh, every single moment of a, of a big Penn State game. I was like, you know what, this is, this is kind of cool. So let me, uh, let me go along for the ride with that. Yeah. Well, 87 was obviously a, the Fiesta Bowl when Miami lost yeah, to Penn State. I'm sure yep. you must have been rooting for Penn State then, right? At that, at that time, I actually was just because I really was. I wasn't fully I was, I, I, January 87 would have been my uh, uh, right in the middle of my freshman year of high school. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was still kind of like rooting for Penn State at the time. But but, but it, was, it wasn't like like a this all oh, I hated Miami type of deal. Like I, I love those Miami. And I loved watching. Uh, that Miami team in '86 and, and beating up Oklahoma and, and just the dominance that they had had. So I mean, I was happy Penn State won, but right. but at the same time, it wasn't like this. I had like this anti-Miami deal. Oh, I mean, 
I, it, was, it wasn't like the uh, uh, Penn State versus Miami. Penn State's the good guys, and Miami's the bad guys. Uh, it, <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't that at all. It was more like, yeah, okay, my, yeah, my family's happy, so I'll be, I'll, I'll be happy for that. Of course, though, you know, once you once you are a Miami guy, you are the bad guy for everybody because everybody kind of <laughs> everybody else in college football loves to see Miami lose, don't they? I mean, that's just kind of the thing, uh, especially when they're dancing and celebrating and hot dogging it. Everybody's kind of always disliked that that aspect. I'm wondering how your your family felt when you told them you were going to Miami. How did they, oh, they uh, loved sort of it. react? They oh, did. They loved okay, it. I, good. Was getting, I was getting far away from them. What are you kidding me? Oh, they, they, they loved every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but but, but it, 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 it I mean they were they were happy for me to just be able to go on and, and go to a school that I wanted to go to to go to and and, and kind of work out a, a path to kind of pursue my career and, and and happiness. I mean they were they were they were they were happy for me to just to be like wow he's 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 really doing this. So um, it, it was just kind of cool to just kind of. Uh, I want to get like too like sentimental or like if mm-hmm. life life uh, lessons here, but to to be two thousand miles away from home or whatever it is from Miami to to Long Island and, and be seventeen eighteen years old at at, at the time and just kind of just be involved in meeting new friends and, and being away from home that far much for the, for the first time like like it, it was a great experience and, and I, I would do it. All over again. I, I wouldn't wouldn't change a thing uh, yeah. with, with where I went to school and how I how I got the path to, to where I am now. It was awesome. So it was it, yeah. was, it was an unbelievable uh, four years of my life. Great. Now Miami fans are certainly happy to call you one of their own. Who who gave you the nickname the Bear? By the way, who, who that, decided that, that on was that? that was Lee Corso, and okay. uh, it was actually. Uh, the, the, I'll, I'll give you. Is this a, is this a G-rated podcast or am I allowed uh, we, to say we're, we're allowed to say whatever we want on here? Perfect. We are the HBO of sports. Perfect. <laughs> that, that, that's what I wanted before. I, I always give people that that, that preference before I uh, go into it. But it was actually uh, we were at the Fiesta Bowl one year, and Kirk and I were having brunch um, mm-hmm. in, in like a hotel restaurant lobby, and anyone who's seen Kirk and I out. Dinner or lunch or whatever I have a tendency to, to to know that there's always like any empty space on the table is a bad thing. Like there needs to be food covering the entire table. So we're kind of <laughs> sitting there on gym shorts and t-shirt, and mm-hmm. and coach always liked to go for a walk in, in the morning just to kind of get his exercise in. So he comes into the lobby, and he he would always have like a black leather jacket and like blue jeans and his white tennis shoes on, and and he and, and he spots us and there's like no like trying to sneak on over and hide and maybe not be seen or heard or noticed. So he, he immediately yells, yo, Kirk Curb Street, Chris Felica, because he sees us over there. And like, then, of course, all the heads are turning. And, and he's like, make, makes no, no bones of that. So he comes on over to the table, and he looks at me, and he looks at the table, and he looks at Kirk, and then he looks <laughs> at me again, and he goes, look at you, Felica. You're just like a big bear. All you do is eat, sleep, and shit. So ever since then, I, 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 I've been the bear. Wow. You know, it's funny. And, and, and my brother, my brother, I'm, I'm very much the same. I feel like you might be a, my, my brother from another mother because I really, those, those, are, those, are, those three things are my favorite things to do as well. well um, let, let, let's, let's share uh, my, my, my 23.com DNA interest. Let's see if we, uh, let's see if we have any, uh, how many relatives we have here. 
Well, my brother calls me the bear as well. That's what he calls me for the same exact reasons <laughs> that, that, that you laid out there with Lee Corso. He calls me the bear. Oh, uh, at that and because of, he's Who always knew? making fun of my, my back hair. He's always like, you can see it coming through the shirt. So he says I'm a grizzly bear, you know, for that uh, reason. So, oh, that's um, great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of coach, I, I know we, you probably got to go here soon, and I appreciate all the time you've given us. It's been really a fun fun ride for me. Um uh, how's coach doing? He's a, he's a Miami Jackson high school yep. grad, right? And, and, uh, you know, I know he's getting older and we see him on TV and we're like, oh, I love having him on there. How's he doing? How excited is he about this football season? Is he still the same guy? Is he still, uh, I know you don't see him in person per se, but, uh, just, uh, how, how fun is it to work with him? Uh, it, it, it's great. I mean, he, he is just, uh, a gem of, of, of a person. Uh, just a, just a good-hearted man, and it's it's been a little it's been a little disappointing not a little disappointing it's been very disappointing not to be able to have him on the road this year to have that spontaneous interaction and the relationship that he has with Kirk and just have mm-hmm. Kirk be able to kind of like put his arm around him and get him through a comment if he's if he's struggling not being able to, and that's the biggest thing with with Lee's health his health is fine it's mm-hmm. just that at, as after the stroke it's like sometimes his mouth. Uh, can't catch up with his mind and they can't get on the same page. And that's, and that's why he's had a tendency to stutter at times, which it, it frustrates him because he knows what he wants to say. He just can't always get it out exactly how, how he wants to say it. But, but he, he, he is fine. He is healthy at home. He has no issues. Um, it, it, it's great to have him a part of the show um, in, in Orlando for, from his home uh, in the way that we have and keep kind of keep his, his headgear and his pick segment alive and, because uh, he he's someone who he's going to be involved in the college game day as long as he wants to be involved uh, in college game because we've always said that he is the uh, the one part of the show that is that is irreplaceable. irreplaceable. You you can replace me. You can replace Kirk Herbstreit with another analyst. You can replace uh, Reese Davis with another with another host. You can put, replace Desmond Howard with another uh, another player. But Lee Corso is his his calling was entertainment, and and, and he he mixes entertainment with some. Some some college football uh, sensibilities as well. So he's uh, he, he's doing great, and I'm hope I'm looking forward to uh, uh, the, the time when again he'll be uh, he'll be sitting on that set, and we can have a lot of fun with him in person. Yeah, he is a treasure. It's always it's always fun, and and uh, and you know I think most fans they they just it, there's a sense of college football is back when you see coach right is that not the sense when you yeah. see him it's like and, and especially through this pandemic everybody's been you know looking for something positive to have the show back i feel i feel like it really puts people in a good mood and, and, and lee, lee fitting who produced college game day for a long time and now uh heads up our college football uh coverage at, at espn for the management management position uh, he, he is said for Many, uh, many years now that uh, you can make a very good argument that no one in, in, in recent college football history has done as much for the popularity from an entertainment standpoint uh, than, than Coach Corso has. So uh, I definitely think there is something to that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, so I want you to get a chance here to, to promote your podcast. And, and obviously everybody knows you're on college game days on Saturdays from nine to noon, but the podcast, where can they find it? Uh, I know you and Stanford, Steve are working together. Yeah. You, you can find it pretty much anywhere where you get your podcasts. Uh, Stanford, Steve and the bear. We, we record uh, every Wednesday, early afternoon. So usually by a late afternoon on Wednesday, uh, the, the podcast is up. And then on Thursdays, 
our weekly picks column uh, gets posted to ESPN.com. So you can find us there. Daily Wager uh, is on ESPN2 every night at 6 o'clock. Uh, my, my days on the show right now are Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, that may change in the near future, depending on what, what goes on in the in the sports world. But, but, but definitely tune into the show for all those days. So that, that, that's that's pretty much where you can find me. And then, of course, like I said, college game day on uh, – on Saturday morning from, uh, from, from nine to 12 every week. So, uh, I'm, uh, some people might, uh, too, too much, too much, too much FaceTime might be a bad, I don't want to flood the market too much with me, but it certainly is good to have <laughs> so many different, uh, outlets out there to be able to get some, uh, op- opinions and thoughts and conversation out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I've really enjoyed this, Chris. It, it's been so much fun to, to talk to you in the, in the previous Miami Clemson game and just talk about every, all the things going on at ESPN with, with coach and everything else. It's been a pleasure on my side. So I, hopefully one day we can get you back on uh, wide, right? Uh, we, we love having Canes, former Canes, whether they're uh, players or, or, or guys who were like me uh, covering the game and working stats and doing all that kind of stuff. So I, I really appreciate it. Of course, my pleasure. Let, 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 let's make a date that if we uh, somehow Miami winds up making the ACC championship game, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's reconvene that week. Awesome. That sounds great to us. Thank you so much. 305-954-568. This is the state of Miami. Y'all know y'all come down that way.